You're listening to the EWN Podcast Network. Whether you are at the end of your rope or have already let go and landed in a place you feel you can't get out, I will have you believing one thing. You can. In life, we get to make choices. You choose the life you want to live. You get to say how it's going to go. We can choose to create a life we love, or we can choose to suffer. You have a say in how your life is going to go. First, you have to face them. And we all need a little help from time to time doing that. Visit my site, fixandrise.com, and receive a complimentary motivational ebook today. Welcome to Women Who Triumph. On today's show, we have author Kathy Holmes, entrepreneur, recording artist with us today. Kathy, welcome to Women Who Triumph. Thanks for having me. You know, we just met over the weekend, and when I saw you, it was, I'm like, I've got to have her on my show. She has a story. So I came and I purchased your book. We had a little conversation, purchased your book, and I read this last night, and I'm like, oh my goodness, uh, you definitely have a story. And the one thing that really touched me, and it was like an aha moment for me that I never even realized, is in your introductory of your book, From Tragedy to Triumph, Born to Win, is this. It's just two sentences that really touched me. And it is like, wow, she is so right in this book. It's life is a gift that is filled with sunshine and rain. We cannot choose one without the other because we need both to grow that is very powerful two sentences very powerful and yeah and that really just like oh that is so right i never really looked at life that way and um you know that is something that i am going to take a copy of this and put it on my refrigerator and my office door, office door too. And it's just remind myself, I have to have two, you know, both in order to grow. It's incredible. So, right. you know, re- you know, reading your book, uh, you know, it's um, it, like I said, it's absolutely amazing. It's like, it's, um, it's, just incredible. But can you share with the audience today, you know, share with us, you know, what happened to you in your lifetime and the obstacles that you've had to overcome? And I, 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 I'm not sure if I call them obstacles or firestorms because you have been through some firestorms <laughs> in your <laughs> lifetime, in your lifetime. But, you know, start that story, you know, in this book, it was, you know, you started about three years old, you know, with your father. Tell us about that and then what happened, you know, from there. Well, my story starts with my father. Um, he got me at three years old um, from my mother. And apparently um, he took me to Boston, Massachusetts, and I was living with him. He couldn't take care of me. And instead of him sending me back to my mother, I guess his pride wouldn't let him do that. 
and he sent, he put me in a foster home at five years old. And they, um, the foster home, the um, children and family, they called my mother in Florida and let her know that um, they have her daughter um, in a foster home that her father left her there. So she had to um, pay for the plane ticket to get me back to Florida. And that's how I ended up back in Florida. My mother at five years old after my father abandoned me in the foster home. And I think that's when a lot of the hardship in my life started um, because of the absence of a father's and daughter's relationship. I didn't have it with my father. Yeah, now that, uh, you know, that abandonment really can take a toll on you. Um, yes. You know, and, uh, you know, from my experience, and I'm, you know, reading your book is, you know, the abandonment of your father, you know, it's you really reach out to more men in your life to get that mm-hmm. acceptance of love. Am I correct? True. Yes, yeah. I did that. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Yeah. So tell us, you know, after your mother uh, come and picked you up, tell us, you know, what happened from there, you know, living with your grandmother. Well, when I moved back to Florida at five years old, um, the very first night in my grandmother's house, my mother was living with my grandmother. So the very first night in my grandmother's house, um, I got molested and raped by my uncles. And that was at five years old. Um, that was one of the worst things that could have happened in my life after my father abandoned me. So it wasn't just one uncle or two uncles, it was three uncles. And I often wondered, did the other uncle know that the other uncle was doing that to me as well? But um, they did it every night. They would wake me up. One would wake me up, take me into the bathroom, and make me perform oral sex on them. And I often wondered... Did anybody in the house hear or anybody else saw or did they just not pay attention or did anybody care? But this went on in my grandmother's house for a couple of years with those three uncles. Yeah, and and I know you explain and and you and I talked about this a little earlier about the the individual that you you know, laying on the floor and sleeping on the floor. Um, you know, because it was there was no bed for you and No, um, it wasn't. Yeah, and how, you know, others were sleeping on the floor and, you know, different things like, you know, that. But what I'll also, you know, um, in this is you question God a lot of why I this did. was happening to you. Yeah. I did. I didn't hate God. I just questioned him. I often questioned him and asked him, well, you didn't know before I came to this world that I would be in this dysfunctional family. You didn't have a better family for me to be in. Um, did did I do something to you that caused you to hate me? I thought God hated me because it was just so much abuse. Mm-hmm. And he never stopped it. It just kept going on and on and on. And so I questioned him for many, many years. Now, uh, your mother eventually moved out of your grandmother's house. Can yes. you explain to us, um, you know, what happened with your uncles then? Well, after my mother moved out, it was one particular uncle that kept, um, I guess he wanted to continue to molest me. And um, he came, he used to come over and visit to the, um, our new house. And my mother, one particular day, she was in the kitchen cooking, and he came over, and um, he had me to go into the bathroom, and I was seven years old, 
And um, he came in the bathroom, and he made me perform oral sex on him again. So um, I believe abusers, they don't stop. They just follow you like mm-hmm. he did. They, they've kept fo- He kept following me, and, and he just wanted to keep, you know, just doing it over and over again. Right. Now, there is one thing that, you you know, you and I talked about last weekend about secrets. Uh, you know, a lot of young girls and a lot of, you know, teenagers or even women, you know, you know, they don't want to tell anyone because they feel ashamed like it's, you know, they done something to themselves or, you know, it's it was it's their secret. But what I liked what you said, it's not my secret. It's my it's their secret. And it's my and it's their secret for me to tell my it's like that was a little wow moment for me when you and I discussed that. Uh, And you're so you're so right. It's their secret. It's not your secret. So, you know, tell it, you know, tell it to anyone that will listen, listen to you. Now, you know, you know, when you were a teenager, you know, in your teenage years, um, you know, you you mentioned that, you know, you tried to hurt yourself and commit suicide. I did. Um, I, and I actually tried to do it when I was a little girl before I even reached to be a teenager. I started pretty early, but nobody ever knew it. I used to try to commit suicide with Tylenol pills mm-hmm. and I would take them, pick a handful, lay down at night and wake up the next morning and be mad at God. Be like, mm-hmm. why you just won't let me die? And I would do it often until this day. I can't even take Tylenol. Because I did it so much until I just wanted to die because I wanted to forget. I, I didn't want to remember because it made you, it made me feel bad. It made me feel nasty. It made, it, it, I was, it just made me feel terrible. And I didn't want to remember none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to die. Just wanted to, you know, just to, you know, die and just, you know. End it all. It's, yeah, end it all. Now, in your teenage years, you know, during all this with the, you know, you commit suicide, you got into church, started singing, yes. right? Yes, and I did. That, that, and by the way, you have an amazing voice. I heard you last Saturday. Beautiful. Can't wait to hear Thank it you. again. But <laughs> during that, during this time that you were, you know, finding your voice as a singer, you know, um, you know, you met a young pastor, pastor and his wife. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And, you know, uh, what happened with that? Well, I was 13 and um, I started going to church with my grandmother and there was a youth pastor and his wife. And um, when one of the things about when you're being molested and raped, you search for love in all the wrong places and you look for love from people. And it doesn't matter who it comes from. And if anybody shows you just a little bit of kindness or a little bit of affection, you think, okay, they love me. And that's all you're seeking is love. And that's what I was seeking from the youth pastor and his wife. They became my godparents. And one day, particular day, I was talking about what my uncles did. And his wife seemed concerned, but I noticed that the husband, he asked me a question. He said, did you like what your uncles did? I didn't know when he asked that question that he was grooming me and felt that I was already damaged goods because he ended up raping me, the -hmm. youth pastor. And he ended up raping me over and over again until his wife caught him. And when she caught him, she told me that I had a lust demon and they went to the church 
and told the church, the pastors in church, that I had a lust demon. And they put me in front of the church to cast out a lust demon. And I was about 14 years old then. And that's when I really questioned God, and I left church after that. And things kind of went downhill after that, Mm. that incident right there. Yeah, and you were a virgin when the pastor did this to you, right? Yes, I was. Mm. And you got pregnant when, not with him, but you got pregnant at 15? Yes, I got pregnant at 15, and I had my first child at 16, and I started having kids right on top of each other. I started having kids early. Mm. And by, the, by the time I turned on my early 20s, I had seven children. Seven children. Seven kids. Yeah. Now your your grandmother ended up the child. Uh, you know, you were going through a lot. You were in drugs, my, and um, you weren't able to take care of your children. And child services took your children, and your grandmother took them. Yes. And come to find out that four, four of your children were also abused by your uncle. Yes. The same yeah. thing happened to them. In my grandmother's house. Mm-mm-mm. Now, there was one time that, um, you know, you had a vision from God. And I always say, you know, those visions, you know, you know, just listen to it and, you know, see it. So tell us about the night, the day that you had the vision and the night that you met Harold and tell us what happened. That. Well, I was sitting to the um, um, standing to the kitchen sink, and um, I remember something just saying, "He gonna set you up to get raped," and I was like, "Huh?" So, because you know he was a nice person, that's what I thought anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking he's nice, so I'm thinking, and then I really wasn't paying attention to God, so I'm thinking stuff just popping in my head, and I started kept washing dishes. And it came in my head again. He gonna set you up to get raped. Mm. And um, later on that night, my aunt said she wanted me to go to the store to get something to cook. I went to go, uh, so I called him, and um, he said, "Okay, I'll pick you up and take you." And um, that same night, he set me up to get raped, but with by him and his friends. Oh my goodness. Well, Kathy, we are going to take a really quick break. And when we return, you know, share with us in year 2007 of what happened to you that changed your life completely. And, you know, tell us, I I remember you telling me last Saturday that this is when you really started living. So we're going to take a quick break and when we return, um, you know, share that story with us. What changed your life? Whether you are at the end of your rope or have already let go and landed in a place you feel you can't get out, I will have you believing one thing. You can. In life, we get to make choices. You choose the life you want to live. You get to say how it's going to go. We can choose to create a life we love, or we can choose to suffer. You have a say in how your life is going to go. First, you have to face them, and we all need a little help from time to time doing that. Visit my site, fixandrise.com, and receive a complimentary motivational ebook today. 
Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Christine Kozachuk. Welcome back to Women Who Triumph. On today's show, we are talking to author Kathy Holmes. She has been speaking earlier on the rape and uh, the abandonment of her father and the rape of her uncles and teen pastors and, uh, you know, the molestation. So at this moment, Kathy, um, you know, tell us what happened to you in 2007 that changed your life. And you said, this is when I finally started living. Well, I am, like I said earlier, um, I grew up looking for love in all the wrong places. And it was mainly in men. And um, I was online, this online dating site. And I I was getting ready. I met this guy. He was a minister of music. And um, we were going to meet in person in Orlando, Florida. He lived in Jacksonville, Florida, and I lived in Miami. So we was going to meet halfway point, which was Orlando, Florida. So on my way to meet him on Memorial Day, I'm driving, and the tires blew out in my on my car. And um, some people pushed me in the breakdown lane. And when I got out of my car and went to the trunk, um, a car came and hit me and tore both of my legs off. Mm. Um so I didn't meet David that day, but I met David after I got out of the hospital. And after I met David, David turned out to be a psychopath, um, sociopath, a psychopath, whichever one. Um, he was the kind of person, he just wanted uh, my money and he just wanted sex. He didn't want me. Mm. And um, I believe I, I continued to talk to David because I was in such a low place because I didn't have any legs, and I felt that he would be the only man that wanted me, which was a lie. Mm-hmm. And um, so I tolerated a lot of stuff um, off of David for about two years after my accident. But it caused me, after I left David alone and I moved to North Carolina in 2012, it changed my life. Um, I finally said to myself, I'm going to be happy. And um, that's what, and that's what, and it happened um, when I said it. I started making myself happy. I started seeing myself as God see me, and to know that I'm beautiful, and um, that God gave me. A, he actually, to be honest, after I lost my legs, everything that abuse takes a lot of from you when you, um, when people are molesting and raping you. But after I lost my legs, God gave me all that back. He gave me the self-confidence. He he gave me the self-esteem. He gave me dreams and goals. And I, I, he, he gave me a lot of positive. Every negative thing that was taken, he gave it all back to me when I lost my legs. So I, I like I told you, I started living after I lost my legs. Mm, that is that is so powerful. That, you know, when something like that happens and you realize how precious your life really is and how unique that you really are. Yes. Yeah. I know. Now, if you had, uh, you know, one word to describe yourself, what would it be? Um, to describe myself. I would say. Strong. Absolutely. You are very strong and powerful and passionate lady. Um, now, if you had one message that you want to tell 
a young girl that's listening to this today that's been through, you know, the molestation or the rape, um, what would that be today? That the secrets that she's carrying, they're not her secrets to keep. Um, your abusers, what they make you think, the secrets that they give you, that those secrets actually belong to them. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, because when they molesting and raping you, they're telling you, don't tell anybody, or you're going to get in trouble. No, the reality is they're going to get in trouble if you tell their secret. So in order to be free, you got to let go of it and give them back their secret. It's not your secret to keep. Absolutely. Now, one thing that you and I have talked about is forgiveness. Um, you know, forgiveness is for me, it's it's for it's for me to feel, you know, okay, you know, and forgiving them for what they've done is very powerful thing to do. So tell us, tell me, you know, what you did to forgive those that were hurting you, that hurt you and molested you. I actually confronted my abusers um, in letters. I wrote all of them a letter. Two of them I found on Facebook, the preacher and his wife. I found them on Facebook. And I'm, my uncle's there in prison, not for me, but for something else. I found that which prison they were in, and I wrote them a letter. And in the letters, I told them, this is what you did to me. This is when you did to me. This is how it made me feel. This is how I grew up. And these, I told them the negative things that were happening to me. And then I told them the positive things that are happening to me. And I said, I forgive you for what you did. And but I forgive you, but I'm going to still talk about it to help heal women and men all over the world. But I forgive you for what you did. So for me to, when I did that, that was something big for me to be able to confront all of my abusers. And one thing you have to remember, when you confront your abusers, don't don't think that they're going to say something positive back because majority of them, they deny it. Absolutely. They deny it. So. You have to when you want when you go to them and say I forgive you. It has to be for you. It's yes. Not, it, you can't. It can't be for I want them to say something or you think they're gonna say something to make you feel better. No, it has to be for you. Yeah, it it has to be, and it has to be you know for you, you yes. know for you to, for you to move on. You know, yes. um, you know, and that's something that they have to deal with themselves. Well, Kathy, I want to thank you so much for, you know, allowing me to interview you because you have such an incredible story. And, you know, and if anyone, you know, wants to, you know, purchase your book or they want to get a hold of you, um, this, the book that Kathy has, it's, uh, Kathy Holmes from tragedy to triumph born to win. I lost my legs to recover my life. This book is so powerful and just, um, you know, you can, it's, it's unbelievable. So how would they get a hold of you? Um, you can go to my website at www.kathyholmes.org. Or you can contact me at Kathy Holmes at Gmail, contact Kathy Holmes at gmail.com, or you can give me a call at 704-361-8305. And you can also purchase my book on Amazon. Amazon. Okay, great. And you just also, you know, recording, you're also a recording artist, and you just recently, uh, your first album called My Testimony. Like I said, you have yes, a beautiful Yes, I, I forgot, about, I forgot <laughs> about that. You, you can also purchase name. my CD. 
um, yes. as well. Um, you can go on CD. It's called CD Baby, and you can type in my testimony, Kathy Holmes, and you'll see my album. You can actually listen to some of the samples. They'll let you listen to samples, and you can download it, or you can purchase a physical CD. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Again, again uh, Kathy, thank you so much for allowing me to interview you, and I really feel honored, and I feel blessed to have met you last weekend. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. Are you ready to rise up and share all your greatness to the world? Stop playing small and settling for mediocrity? If so, then you need to join us at our eWomen Network Entrepreneur Conference and Business Expo in Dallas this year, August 3rd through the 5th. There will be hundreds of women entrepreneurs from all over the world waiting to meet you to share knowledge, wisdom, and even partnerships. Get ready to be coached by me and learn from other multi-million dollar speakers who will teach, inspire, motivate, and guide you to transform your thinking from small to big. And you can't beat the food and fun at our Saturday night dance party either. Look, no one makes it alone, so it's time to stop trying to be the COE, chief of everything, and step into your role as CEO. There is nothing like the eWomen Network Conference to bring out your genius and help you take action on living your dream. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. <laughs>